0: Um, would you turn to uh, we're going to look at two places today and and they're not for the faint of heart uh, they're pretty deep stuff um, to be looking at uh, fresh today but um, I want to try and start putting pieces together are Are you like me that you you pick up a piece here and you pick up a piece there and and they might be little gems and like gemstones in a necklace or something, you're tempted to just look at those gems, not realizing that there is this larger picture painted by these different things. Uh, I want to try today with you, as we think about this amazing God, I want to try and put together three gemstones that you're so familiar with. But you might not have seen how they merge together to form a beautiful piece of jewelry. Uh, you know them um, from... The love chapter, uh, we call it the love chapter. It's actually one of three chapters that are really dealing with you, but dealing with God's call in your life as a follower of his to express your uniqueness, to express the abilities that God gave you, to express um, the spiritual gifts that he gave you for the edification of the larger body of Christ, uh, and and really, they're meant for you to express the Christ life in you. You know it from 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. 13. Remember he said, now we see in a mirror dimly, right, in verse 12, but but then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, and all this week I've been trying to, to try and figure things out, and, and I have to confess I cannot understand the things that are occurring in our world around us. Now we know in part, he says in the back half of 12, but then we shall know fully. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Can you? And then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. And then he puts the three gems together in this beautiful necklace that has become so cliche that we miss it every time. So now, help me, abide these three faith, hope, and love, right? But the greatest of these. Is love so? So in the midst of a world that he knew was broken, uh, he's placed you, and he's given you this amazing gift of these three things. And and today I want to try and piece them together in, in a way that's meaningful to you, in a way that when you leave, you can apply to your life. But it's going to take uh, it's going to take some work. So let's go to work. Turn with me first, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, and we're just going to remind you of something that we actually studied together previously i um, just remind you of um, a precious gift of God uh, through Ephesians chapter two. Uh, if you're with your Bibles, you know that um, uh, Ephesians is that uh, middle section of the uh, Pauline uh, letters. And I remember it always by Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, if you uh, don't have your Bible with you, there's probably a red a pew Bible somewhere nearby. And I invite you to um, to turn to that. And I think I've looked up the page number on that. Yeah, on page 976, um, we'll see the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter um, 3. Join me uh, at the beginning of chapter 2. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work, In the sons of disobedience, in the lawlessness of this past week, uh, abroad and at home, in the lawlessness, we see the fulfillment of those words, don't we? There is an evil one, um, variously called the prince of this air, the spirit of disobedience. There is an evil presence in the world, in our own flesh, and certainly in the evil one. Uh, he says that spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. No, he didn't include spirit there. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Well, that's a cheerful passage to start us off on today, Pastor Dave. Thank you. But look at the next line. But remember this a few weeks ago, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. In other words, even even when we were in this condition we just read about, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You've been saved. Wow! And he goes on to talk about that, that part that you're so familiar with. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? The mechanics of it, he then shows, but did not want you to lose this. In the midst of the struggle which we now live, the great love of God is being poured out on us and through us. Paul continues this discussion later in, um, in uh, chapter uh, or verses 3 through 10. Excuse me. Chapter one. I jumped over to chapter three instead. He said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You just thought that was poetic language that I'm using in my prayers. It's not. It's truth from God's word. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In my Bible, it's it's blue. Remember the blues? It's blue in love. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in Christ. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Oh my gosh, Paul cannot stop. He goes on for several more verses, just raveling in In this truth, what does that mean for us when we turn on CNN uh, after the service today and, and find out that cities are still uh, being destroyed law lawlessness, lawlessness is at, is at work? What does it mean for us when we see our beloved brothers and sisters in Christ dying on hillsides in in northern Iraq? what does it mean when, when in Karachi our Our sweet sister and brother and our missionaries are having to go to a different place to worship every Sunday so that they are not um, attacked or murdered for their faith. What does it mean for us? Turn with me now. We've been in Paul for the last 14 weeks, but now go over and hear John's perspective. And I say this. This is 1 John chapter 3 uh, in your pew bible it's on page 1022 and our passage for today especially john affirms it as well this truth that paul is trying to say while you're turning to chapter three i just got to note that john has been talking about do, when you hear first john what do you think of uh, what do you think of do you have just this large category that you think of when you think of First John? when you hear first corinthians 13 what do you think of Love, right? When you hear First John, you should also think love. What an amazing ladder! You want a gift? You want a gift this afternoon? Uh, curl up somewhere. And read it from cover to cover. First John from cover to cover. You can do it in a brief amount of time. Uh, it's John's version of this same thing. But over, look, look. He's, he's echoing the same things that Paul has just challenged us. Look over in verse in chapter two, beginning at verse fifteen. He says, "Do not love the world, or the things in it." Right. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and and I think NIV says the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And beloved, the world is passing away. This stuff goes away. Do you really, really want to invest in those things? This is going away with all its desires. But, another but, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Wow. So that's the context for this. He's saying the same thing. We got, we've got a, a major disconnect between the world, the rulers and the authorities, the principalities and powers, all those things, and our own flesh. Let's not just blame everything on the world. Our own desires, which are so corruptible, are they not? I mean, you put a donut in front of me, my desires are corruptible, right? Thank you, whoever did that this morning. Um, Uh, yeah it's, it's that simple i can't blame everything on the world my own flesh is still wrestling with my spirit but then he says also there is this this reality this evil presence the evil one the world the flesh and the evil one are all conspiring here john unpacks that the desires of our eyes the boastful pride of life and he says what do we do what do we do in the midst of this let me pick it up at chapter 3. And this is our passage for today. Sorry it takes so long to get to it. This is our passage for today. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. I love that. Your Bible says, in ESV says, see. You know, you know what it says in, in, um, in Greek? Lucky there. <laughs> you know. Look, this is so cool. You know, and, 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 and ESV translates: see, see what love the father. has, You know, yeah, it's it's extreme. It's I can't believe what I'm looking at. Be, behold, moves toward it. The King James behold moves toward it. But but it's so low key here. Look at the kind of love the father has given to us. What that we remember? We just described ourselves earlier. Right. We should be called sons and daughters of God. We should be called children of God. And so we are. Okay, here's the deal. Why is all this going on in the world? Because the world does not know us, right? Because it doesn't know Jesus. We're becoming more like jesus and we're becoming less like the world and and the world knows us less and less and unfortunately because of our brokenness we persecute those that we don't understand oh, we persecute those that we don't understand i got to stop in the middle of the scripture for a second for two reasons one is i forgot an announcement earlier and secondly because this comes home does it not so racially, you see what's going on in, in, um, in Ferguson, and you think, <laughs> right? It's a racial thing. No, no. It's a human heart thing, right? We see what's going on in northern Iraq, and what do we think, right? Those Muslims, you know? Wow. Um, what does God think? and he sees someone looting a store. He hates evil, right? Don't don't stumble over the fact that God hates God hates evil. But he loves people. And and he loves even the person who's looting that store, whatever race that person is. And and we are so tempted to be afraid when we hear that there are 7 or excuse me 7 million in the United States and close to 2 billion in the world and we hear things like they're going to fly their flag over our white house right and we hear all this stuff and 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 we're so tempted and to to say that's evil there evil. Don't misunderstand me. There, there is aspect. I mean, there's no way of getting around lining people up and shooting them in the back of the head. There's no way of getting around the evil aspect of that, right? But people, races are not evil, right? People need God. And, and God uses people to love and to lead people. We had planned this months ago. It's just really interesting that we're doing a special weekend on, on um, connecting with Muslims here at all of that. What is that? September 5th through 7th, I think, a uh, Friday. Um, we have a special guest uh, from, uh, from our denomination who is going to help us understand Islam and is going to show us how we can love people who are very different than us, and not very many people are going to come out for it. what am I prophesying? What do you mean? Prove me wrong, beloved. prove me wrong it 's not comfortable it 's not fun loving your enemies, but Jesus commanded us to do it, and because something happens in a convenience store in Ferguson or in a uh, a faraway place like Iraq does not mean that that we don't have a response to it. John is echoing Paul and saying we have to respond. I want to invite you to um, love your enemies. I want to invite you not to paint anyone, but especially a a, a people group, as evil that God loves and wants to reveal Himself to. How? Are we going to overcome um, the brokenness of our world? How are we going to overcome the evil things that people do? Paul says, love. John says, <laughs> remember John, the disciple whom Jesus loved? John says, love. <laughs> and that doesn't fall very far from the tree. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus says love right let's continue he's still there in in 1 first john see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of god and so we are the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him look at him he actually he's, he's living into this beloved now he calls it loved ones we are god's children now and what we will be Has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears. Who's the he? Christ. When Christ appears. We shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And listen to this promise. And everyone who thus hopes in him. Remember faith, hope and love. Everyone who thus hopes in him. Purifies himself. As he is pure. Oh my goodness. I'm going to read some more darkness because I, there's a couple pieces in this next paragraph that we need. I should have read it backwards, but this is the way that John wrote it. Everyone, he says, who makes a practice of sinning. I love the way the ESV translate that. Not everyone who sins, as some uh, Bibles are translating it, but everyone who sins and continues to sin and makes a practice of sinning uh, also practices lawlessness. Because sin is lawlessness. So don't be pointing fingers at Ferguson, right? Because when we sin, we're doing the same thing, right? You know that he appeared, Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin, just powerful, powerful truths. The purpose for which Jesus came, here's one of two that he's going to give us. The purpose for which Jesus came is to take away sin, That's why he came, and and he was uniquely qualified to do that because in him was no sin. So when he offered himself in, in sinful people's places, it was a worthy, acceptable sacrifice. No one who camps out, abides, tabernacles in him, keeps on sinning. And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, he's reminding us again of who we are. Little children, let no one deceive you. What you practice is important. Whoever practices righteousness, right relationships, is righteousness as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Here's the second part of that. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy The works of the devil. Remember, we saw earlier um, to break the power of sin, to take away sins. And now we see to destroy the source of those sins, to destroy the works of the devil. Beloved, this is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, um, What do we what do we learn here? I'm sorry to go off on such a a deep theological discourse where we're going over the next six weeks is we're just going to simply look at who we are and what we're called to be. Um, We're called to be like Jesus, his representation in the world. And so all of that has chosen to make our mission statement simply these three words more period like Jesus. Right. That is the fulfillment of God's call for us. Wherever we go, whoever we encounter in South Africa, in in Evansville, in Tunisia, wherever we go, in our going, we're going to make people like Jesus, we're going to make fully devoted followers of Christ, immersing them in the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And teaching them to obey, teaching them to respond, not just teaching for head knowledge, but teaching them, to respond. And so, so. Um, John is is saying here, and the, the, the theological foundations of becoming more like Christ are right here in 1 John chapter three, and I want to just draw, if I can, four observations from these brief passages because, because I think that they 're important for us as we get very, very practical in the next couple of weeks. What does this look like? I want to draw four observations from from 1 John chapter 3 here. Let me read it for you again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. But love, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know this. That when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see him as he is. The proof of our discipleship is that we're becoming like Jesus. We're becoming more like Jesus. So what's the first observation? The first observation here is the greatness of the love of God. I'm going to do faith, hope, and love backwards. The, the, the first observation here is the greatness of the love of God uh, Paul, uh, John, Jesus could not express in more powerful terms the, the greatness of the love of God. How do we know that? How do we know how great this love is? When we're tempted to be overwhelmed by the brokenness of the world around us, God's not, not overwhelmed at all. God does something, doesn't he? He sends people into it. Remember last Christmas? Love came down. Right. God was not surprised by the brokenness of humanity. He uh, he, but he had a solution and he he became flesh and dwelled among us. Right. So it's not a huge leap of logic to assume then that that if God's going to show love to the world, he's going to do it through people that we are going to have to step into Jesus sandals and we are going to have to love recklessly the world that God loves. Finish this for me. For God so loved the world that he gave that whosoever believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's love. Do you understand the greatness of God's love for the world? Uh, It's immeasurable. Oh, we tried to sing that, right? And the hymn writers got it right. The words escape us. How marvelous. How wonderful. is what? The love of God. The love of God for the world. We're going to start our worship next week with that. Just camping on that. But, but I want you to go beyond because I think this is the stumbling block. This is the disconnect. I want you to go beyond God's great love for the world and recognize that, that you are part of the world. And that God has a great love for you. And, and there's something that happens in us when we awaken to that love. When we, when we risk believing that we are beloved of God. There's something that happens. Uh, to jump imagery, what happens is that we're born again. We risk believing That this could be true. Um, I speak in parables. (laughs) Um, When your child is just ecstatically happy, (laughs) you know, uh, doesn't that warm your heart? Doesn't that just warm your heart? When... you discover you're so loved that someone would give their life for you. Why do we forget that? Why do we forget it at the human level and end up warring with one another? Why do we forget it at the divine level? Is it such a leap of logic to think that God doesn't love us? In that way too, but that's the tool that the evil one uses. I was sharing with my discipleship triad earlier this week when the the mantra, Richie, if you're listening to this, I'm still mad about it. But um, the mantra that my roommate had in college—he was one of those sunshiny guys that just popped up in the morning. Yes, another day, you know. And don't you hate those kind of people? And, and, and he, would, he would crank up the Christian music and he'd blow the doors off of the apartment with the Christian music. And then he would come into my room and he goes, rise and shine. And, and, and then, he, then he would look at me and he goes, Dave, and this is exactly the way he said, he doesn't love you. <laughs> he doesn't love you. And, of course, this is guy talk for he really loves you. Right. But but uh, he would say that over and over again. Well oh, the lie of the evil one. I understood exactly what Richie meant. Richie was saying he does love you more than you could ever imagine, Dave. But the lie of the evil one is to believe that that God doesn't love you. Do you know the greatness of God's love for you? And some of you are right there on the edge saying, I want. I want to believe that, Dave. I want to believe it. Risk it. Risk it. What you are tempted to do there is a step outside of what you can see and touch and the experiences that you've had and and step outside that. and, And you're tempted to believe it just for a moment. Borrow our faith for a moment. And, and believe it, because when you believe it, you cross a line. And the Bible says you are, uh, let's not pretend ourselves, we, we were dead in our trespasses. We had no relationship with God. I'm not a Jew. I had no no background that God would somehow love me. I was adopted into his family. I wasn't born into it. I didn't earn it. I didn't have the, the, uh, the pedigree. I... Was Adopted God said yeah, I love you. Those of you who have done this and blessed either through foster care or adoption those of you who've done this um, God, I thank God for you you're so You're you're granting someone what God granted me and what God grants you do you know? the greatness of the love of God John says looky there Looky there see what kind of love? The Father has given us that we should be called adopted children of God. And so we are. So my second observation, first one is the greatness of the love of God. But the second one is that we have been made God's children. Now, Unfortunately, the ESV translated it called, and he, but the impact is not just that, that we have this label, that we're, that we're labeled God's children. What we, were, we were not God's children, and now we have become the children of God. So, so something has fundamentally changed in the economy of eternity. We have now become children of God who were not children of God before. We were dead. We were outside the family. And then God said, beloved. And John keeps reaffirming it over and over again. Little children. <laughs> beloved. He's, he's driving these points home. The point is God has made us his children. God has made you his child. And God wants to use you to reveal to others that they are his children too. God's doing something amazing in us. The third point here has to do with with our eternal security. Um, this amazing love of God that gave us life when we were dead, when we were we're um, apart from God. This amazing love that caused us to be born again and brought into the family of God also secures for us something. It secures for us our um, our final um, what word? Our final perfection. We shall be like Him. And John adds a word. Here, that's really important to us, that that makes the transaction transaction complete. We know this, that one day we are going to be more like Jesus. We know this, that one day we are going to be like Christ. And the, and the evidence of that is that we will see him face to face. <laughs> um, Marianne uh, was putting together our, our thing here, and I... I said, I'm, I'm always hesitant to make pictures of Jesus for a very good reason, right? We've talked about that before. The moment we put a face on Jesus, we put our own face on Jesus. And I'm really resistant to that because, because it's so tempting to make Jesus in our own image. I've shared with you before in the Garden of Gethsemane is, is the church of all nations and all those churches sent mosaics of Jesus. To be put on the walls there and everybody, and it's kind of cool, but everybody made Jesus in their own image. If you've never seen a Japanese Jesus, then then you have yet to live. I kid you not. Everybody made Jesus looking exactly like him, like them. And, and, And that's okay if you don't work backwards and attribute to God basically who you are. But there is this other reality, and it's with that confidence that I put a Jesus picture on our altar. Because... As we gaze upon his beauty, we are becoming like him. So that one day, if I could do it, I would, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Little by little, this would actually silver over, right? Until that day when you look at that and and you do see you because you have become like Jesus. Does Jesus have a goatee? Well, that's a bad example. He probably does. Okay. Okay. It's just Jesus clean. I know he didn't look like us. We're talking about becoming like him in his nature and character. That's why we're immersing ourselves in the community of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit so that we can become like him. But this is, is the reality. We know this, John says, that our eternity is secure. We will become like him. Now I'm going to prophesy again here, using the term loosely. You're going to mess up before you get to your car. And you're going to think, I guess what Pastor Dave said is not true, right? Um, Go back to Romans 7. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I don't want to do. Wretched man that I am, Paul said. Who will save me from this body of death? Jesus did save us from it. We will still mess up until that day we stand face to face with him but the reality the promise is that god is not going to stop doing what he's begun in you he's begun to transform you when you believed in jesus christ he's begun to transform you into his image and he's not going to stop until that process is complete so so john sees this unbreakable link between what we are now and all of our brokenness and what we will be when christ comes and he expresses it with these words we no, we know, we know the love of God. We know we are God's children. We know that the future is certainly uncertain. That didn't make sense. But, but we know this, that in the end, we will be like him. The perfection of our daughterhood, the perfection of our sonship is guaranteed all that's left all that's left in this adoption process is the consummation of our transformation we are being changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ and you get glimpses of it in each other and and, and i pray that that brings you amazing amazing hope in fact uh, so we we've seen we've got to understand the greatness of the love of God, but we also have to understand the amazing power of hope, right? Because John says, everyone who has this hope, did you see that? What what happens? Purifies themselves. See, I'm the one who says, my brokenness is so great that there's no way... Apart from Jesus, there's no way that I can affect anything. No, John says you can't. When you hope in that which you have not yet seen, when you imagine through uh, through um, the Bible's uh, uh, revealing to you your eternity, when you imagine that that very hope purifies you, and you become more like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? It's not works. It's not. It's not. Seven of these or ten of those it's not punishment, it's hope. Hope is this amazing gift. When you hope that you will be like Jesus, you actually become more like Jesus. So what what remains then? <laughs> Love. Going backwards, right? Hope. Faith. And belief belief do you believe this do you believe when all the world seems to be i'm not going to use that phrase i promised my wife i would not say going to hell in a handbasket in church again so i'm not going to say that okay but when it seems that way right um that god is still sovereign and god is still on the throne and, and god in fact may be preparing you to be a part of the solution when you put your weight down, that's what belief is, right? Just putting your weight down on that. I'm going to trust that, God. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ, it's my redemption. I'm going to trust that you are moving in me to become more and more like him. When I put my trust in that, it actually becomes true. Now, these three remain, love, faith, and belief, and th- uh, love, hope, and Belief or faith. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to see that um, choosing to believe will radically and dramatically change your family tree. We're going to see that choosing to believe will, will radically affect the eternities of other people. God is sovereign and he has set apart his own. But the way that he reveals himself to them is through people. Like you and me. So I want to invite you. Let me, let me tell you where we're going to go. We're going to, we're going to explore next week love of God. We're going to explore intimacy with Jesus. If we are going to become more like him, we're going to have to become more, like, more loving, more like his love. And we're going to explore how God does that in us. Then we're going to explore together the week after that um, uh, what the incubator that God gives us to help this transformation happen. And that in- incubator is Christian community. Uh, don't hear church at 10, 20 to 11, whatever. Um, don't hear that. Hear Christian community, accountable relationships with other people. And then, and then we're going to discover that God wants to use us powerfully to impact this broken world for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to invite you into God's sovereign purpose for your life. That's where we're going to go. Do you want to go there with me? Then hope. Hope purify your heart with hope and let God let God bring about that transformation in you. Pray with me, would you? God again for those who have never crossed that line, never said, I'm going to risk putting my weight down on Jesus Christ. On his his death in my place and his life for my future. Um, then, God, I just pray that you grant us that mustard seed of faith to believe that and to put our weight down. I, I'm, I'm laughing, God, because I know the moment we do that, then you dump the resources of eternity on us. You, you grant us the presence of your Holy Spirit in our life. Then, God, grant us the courage for some to hope, uh, for others to believe and to entrust ourselves to your guidance worship you, God. Let me be as gold and precious silver purify my heart. Let me be as gold pure stand with us, would you? Refine is fine. My heart Choose to be only set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your will. pray with me, would you? God, I am grateful that you are here right now. I think of those who are in despair. Uh, God, and not sure uh, what the days ahead hold. I, I thank you that in Jesus Christ we have hope. That though this world is broken, though we are broken, you are not surprised. You've already made provision. So I pray, God, that you would love and bless those who just need to crawl up into your lap today and hear you say, I got this. I've got this but God for others whom you're saying, I want you to risk trusting me. I pray that you would grant us that courage and even now as as we worship you God, that you would grant us the courage to say jesus i'm I'm sorry that I have struggled against you I, I'm sorry God that that i made myself or my life God in my life and and, and all the while you were loving me and calling me to yourself, I surrender everything to you now. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to live beyond myself. I want to live for you and your purposes, God. I just thank you, God, that everyone who risks calling out to you in that way is born again. And begins this process of becoming more like Jesus. But God, today I also pray for people like myself who have known you and who have been born again for a long time. But God, have been so tempted and, and even succumbed to wrestling back the control of our lives from you and, and, and uh, telling you we have this rather than believing that you have our futures in your hand. God, grant us the trust and the love and the faith to let go. And to believe that um, if we will just follow your lead, God, you'll take us on a dance that's beyond our imaginations. So God, move over us now. Cleanse us of our sin. Meet us in this place. We ask in Christ's precious name.